0: You've mentioned already, you know, helping with neck and back pain, how you breathe, pelvic pain, even things like um, being premenstrual, you know, those kinds of pains, hormonal pain, uh, but also looking at things like fibromyalgia as well.
1: Yeah, there's, there's a number of things that are associated with breathing pattern dysfunction. Um, if you look at some of the research, it suggests that when, during the uh, premenstrual cycle, progesterone starts to rise. Now, I think the progesterone rise is perhaps in relation to rising estrogen levels. Progesterone appears to be one of the most protective hormones out there for, for a female, and it's usually a lot of the excess estrogen that tends to seem to cause the problems. Now, sometimes with progesterone increase, what we can start to see is an increase in breathing patterns. So we might start to see an excess of, of carbon dioxide being passed from the system hence an increased anxiety also an increase in carbohydrates around that time as well and that they're, they're right there are a number of other things that are associated with breathing pattern issues um uh, some, there's some really easy tests that you can do as well as the problem is is that the diaphragm is intimate with the transversus abdominis hoop muscle but also the pelvic what's that what's that the, the t- Help this hoop-like muscle that runs around the trunk okay yeah imagine you've got a hula hoop yep. running around you that muscle that runs around the front of the tummy which comes around to the back which is more
0: cushioned for some than others depending how much fat you've got around well that, that, too. that has
1: no impact on the actual muscle that you have um but that's intimate with the pelvic floor so when the diaphragm, the transverse part of the back muscle and the pelvic floor doesn't work, we can start to see um, a particular dysfunction called the open scissors position. So as you imagine opening up a pair of scissors, that's your, your rib cage and your pelvis separating, and that short, tight muscles in the back and the posterior part of the diaphragm. We start to breathe in uh, and, and breathe in, in in this particular area. One thing you'll start to see if you're a weight trainer or you do an exercise that's particularly demanding, if you go to hold your breath when you do something, thing even if you're in a yoga pose and you go to hold your breath when you go down to touch your toes that's a good sign that you start to have a breathing pattern dysfunction and part of the diaphragm which is this excellent muscle of inspiration can also which is also used as a stabilizer as well tends to become dysfunctional in the back part and this is where we tend to see this back muscle overworking lower back pain start to come in so if you hold your breath when you're going to do something quite strenuous generally you should be able to breathe out unless you're doing a real maximal load you know trying to lift a one rep max or as, as literally as hard as you can do so just think about if you're holding your breath because that breath hold is suggestive that you may have some kind of breathing pattern or a lack of stability issue
0: mm, uh metabolism breathing how you breathe has got to affect your metabolism right
1: yes yes to a degree and that comes back to to carbon dioxide as well if you're hyperventilating passing out excess co2 from the body then you probably your met- metabolic rate might be a little bit lower than what it could be for sure and also bear in mind um, there are other things associated with uh, perceived levels of anxiety uh, lack of motor control lack of stability so all of this can can uh, can interact with how our bodies function globally
0: and doesn't that also then connect with weight gain potentially possibly it's possible
1: uh it's possible but i think that the link of that is uh is not not as well understood as it could be but certainly retaining adequate levels of carbon dioxide rather than necessarily unnecessarily passing out excess levels of carbon dioxide will be beneficial to to anyone and help also burn calories then as well it's it's, possible. remember there's more co2 around but that also is dependent on your how many what type of nutrients um so generally with a little bit more carbohydrate in the diet in balance with fat and proteins you'll produce enough carbon dioxide and also your ability to oxidize your nutrients using the aerobic system or aerobic generation of, of energy is is more effective
0: uh questions coming in let's just address this one that came in before regarding uh overheating uh this person saying i don't sweat very much which which causes me to heat very quickly uh no issues while swimming but how do i manage this on the land you know when i'm in the gym so taking it out of the sea into the gym landlubber how do i uh how do I manage this when I'm overheating?
1: I would be interested in seeing what this person's body temperature is like uh, and t- sticking a, a, a thermometer underneath your armpit. A lot of medical practitioners tend to use the mouth test, but if you have inflammation in the gums or the sinuses, you will see sometimes even a degree higher in the mouth than the armpit. So I tend to use the axillary or, or the armpit to take someone's temperature for three or four minutes, not just over 20 seconds. I want to see uh, a good, steady, uh, concrete um, temperature and taken a few times each day and particularly after breakfast would be a good time as well if your temperature is coming in really low so under 36 degrees or really under 36 and a half you might have um poor energy poor energy um saving so if your, if your liver is not able to hold on to glucose as much or store as much glucose this might produce a lower body temperature if your thyroid is dysfunctional for example that one of the major uh, hormones of uh of metabolism that can be an issue as well so we, before we start thinking about overheating let's look at why you're not sweating effectively and how the body perceives what its feedback system is like for example because if your body temperature is consistently low and then you start overheating when you're exercise, you might want to look at some uh, more of a deep-seated hormonal issue
0: mm, interesting and um, somebody here is asking about supplements BCCA
1: and glutamine um i think they there's there's been a lot of um, research on branched chain amino acids, in particular, and, from and what are they, Keith? They're, they're uh, I, I think it's leucine, isoleucine, and, and another one. I, I can't be exactly sure um, uh, because it's not something I recommend all the time. But what uh, do or, they do? Or at all. Um, I think it's more for um, blood sugar regulation and also for increasing protein uptake so that after a workout you're getting um, an adequate amount of protein for muscle increase but again it's not something I I, I look at particularly a lot so you probably get a better answer from someone else on this but from what I've seen is that it, it tends to rob another nutrient when you're just taking branched chain amino acids so where a lot of supplements and concern i usually go back and say if you just eat real food most of the time you will get the results that you want if you're talking about bodybuilding and increasing muscle tissue some of these supplements may be beneficial but again you need to get real-time protein in and not just rely on 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 fake supplements that that aren't particularly great for the body in, in most cases glutamine for example can be useful uh, particularly for uh cartilage lining and a few other things but if you want to get good amounts of glutamine go for your broth go for your stock boil your bones and you'll be you'll be in a win-win situation most of the time
0: Mm. and uh somebody here as well asking about well first off this one i've lost 70 kg in weight lost a lot of muscle what should be my exercise plan
1: well, if you've lost a lot of muscle, you have to ask yourself, has that been productive for you? Losing fat can be beneficial. But at the same time, if you're, if you're liberating um, energy from muscle tissue, that's catabolic and it's destructive to the body. It's a, it's a process called gluconeogenesis. Gluconeogenesis is basically the conversion of body protein into carbohydrate. And it's, it's not exactly efficient kudos to the guy for losing 70 kilos but you still need to maintain a certain amount of muscle mass when we go on restrictive diets we can see sometimes um less beneficial effects to metabolism we can see restrictive metabolism we can see low body temperatures poor sleep poor bowel habits so still maintain um you want to get some muscle tissue in and that will come from doing some weights and and, and moving effectively so it's difficult um I do less and less of writing people exercise plans these days because my role is more um, understanding movement and pain issues. But certainly go and see someone that can write you a decent exercise plan up. I still do things like that, but uh, I tend to see more people who have problems with, that with, with need more of a consultancy basis. Mm-hmm. But certainly go and see someone who can write you up a good exercise program don't take advice when people say that you need to restrict lots of carbohydrates you need to have a, a balanced diet that you know all the things that i've talked about before do you have good digestion do you have good sleep do you have good libido uh, do you have good balanced emotions throughout the day are you in pain do you sleep well i mean these are all questions that you need to ask yourself as if your your nutrition and exercise plan is working for you uh, if you are experiencing two or more of those things and i would uh, ask you to then you need to 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 question whether something's actually working for you or not but well done on losing the weight that's always great that you've done that Um, but keep doing uh, what you're doing but consider those points but move move and move and groove that's the thing that you need to do
0: and uh, just looking at Bruce Springsteen's story on why he looks so good he looks happy he looks healthy at the age of 64 and he's saying apparently well friends are saying like uh, unlike many other rockers he's led a a very clean life Um, he's um, he's actually undergone uh, therapy to treat his uh, uh, depression he's I didn't know that he suffers from depression. Um, he's never sort of taken any um, not really got into bad lifestyle choices uh, but he's still working out so at his age he still works out regularly he's on the treadmill he lifts a few weights he has he does have a personal trainer one would imagine so and um, but he says in addition to his regimented training for the past three decades he eats mostly a vegetarian diet and spends time enjoying his life with his family reading all of which are important to a healthy lifestyle so your thoughts, do you look at somebody and go, they look great for their age and wonder why that is? Let us know about it on 4001. Now, Keith, let's look at some of these messages coming in. Lots to discuss with you this morning. Uh, one here regarding um, aloe vera. Aloe vera, do you know much about aloe vera?
1: No, not really. I know that, um, that some people do use it for trying to settle down the stomach. I'd imagine because it comes, is cat, is the aloe vera plant is slightly anti-inflammatory yes so i think it has a probably a soothing kind of action so i think combined with with the ripe appropriate diet might have some some beneficial effects but it's certainly not my mm. area of expertise mm.
0: antibacterial it's supposed to be oh, I really? think. Okay. yeah there you go yeah um here somebody's saying i love good food especially healthy food fruits vegetables but unfortunately i get stomach pain too often
1: yeah this is something that i see all too often. Uh, It's an energy and and digestion related issue. Now it can be first what came first, the chicken or the egg. If you try and eat too healthy and you don't give your body enough energy, i.e. you have a lot of steamed vegetables, I mean the fruit would be good certainly, but if you're eating fruit that's harder to digest, quite starchy combined with vegetables that you just steam, That's quite hard on the body, especially if you have any kind of stress going on as well. And I always talk about the context, what I I use with my energy and digestion programs, and there's loads of stuff I've put on my website over the last few years about how you actually get out of that. Now, there are a few things that you you can do. Um, First of all is to give yourself foods that you can digest easily. If you're eating lots of fruit, go for the ripe tropical fruits pineapple, guava, mango, all these kind of fruits as well. If you've got apples for example, apples are actually quite harder to digest when you have a slight amount of digestive dysfunction. So stewing them would be really really good as well. If you're eating lots of foods such as nuts, beans pulses, these are notoriously hard to digest as well. So you've got, if, if you've got digestive problems and digestive pain, this is a classic sign of where you go, okay you're eating really healthy but you still have stomach pain does that make it a healthy diet for you? I would say no. And this is where you have to look at what does this person need to get out of that. Now, one thing that and I've had such amazing effects with this with clients over years and years. If you include one raw grated carrot salad a day, it will do wonders with your digestion.
0: I had that this morning, didn't I, Sally? (laughs)
1: Don't have that just for breakfast because it's not enough to support you. I had it with quinoa. Okay, okay, we're getting there. We we need a little (laughs) bit of tweaking there. But use a carrot in between meals with a little bit of coconut or olive oil and salt. Because carrots grow underground, they're they're able to deal with a lot of microbes and and bacteria because they're exposed to them all the time. Now, what what that... does to the bowel it provides some undigest it's really hard to digest a raw carrot so it binds a lot of the metabolites something called endotoxin or lipopolysaccharide and other bacterial compounds so including that in your diet every day i have seen people with ibs for 20 years disappear overnight and now uh, there are a lot of other contexts that you can add to that and you can't go and say look if you go start taking raw carrot salad everyone's going to get better i've had specific people come up to me and i've just introduced something like that and it has done wonders for them Really easy thing to do if you're experiencing digestive problems, but you eat really healthy. Remove all the food that you don't digest very well. Increase foods that you that give you a big bang for your buck. Add the carrot salad in. Make sure you're getting foods that support hormonal function, particularly thyroid. That's carbohydrate, protein, and a little bit of fat. Don't go and try to exclude anything. Um, but... Use it and use foods, and you can actually find out a lot. So You do get a lot better when you go to someone who sits externally to you and is able to analyze something. But if you eat a food and you get stomach pain after it, it's not rocket science or any nutrition science, just to say cut it out for two weeks reintroduce it see what it does
0: well christina's come back to say uh on that uh you know you know thanks for the advice and you know the fact that she didn't want to hear about having a, a food allergy test now food allergy tests may work for some people but you don't always have to go down that road if you follow what you're saying listen to your body how do you respond with certain foods eliminate them from your diet for a few weeks and then slowly
1: reintroduce them Food allergy tests uh, use, they analyze IgG4, so immunoglobulin class 4. Now, the problem with those, those particular tests is, one, they're expensive. You're spe- spending two, 3,000 dirhams on loads of food. Now, I'm seeing a few people come through with these, and I have for many years. And... You might be getting a certain reaction and cutting one or two of those foods. The problem is they sometimes come back with 30 foods within your diet. And if you cut out those 30 foods, it's like, what the hell am I going to eat now? Now, bear in mind, a stressed digestive system, one that is perhaps more permeable, has uh, elevated types of bacteria, good and bad, both cause problems. Then you're going to have more um, issues coming through from those food allergy tests, healing the gut and getting the gut back online and increasing the amount of available energy by optimizing... Um, Uh, hormone dysfunction, as well as sorting out your digestive system, means that you actually might not need to cut out many of those foods in the first place. Sure, there may be a real-time need to do it, but I would rather go down the route of seeing what real foods do to you before you have to go and do lots of expensive tests. That should be the marker, not doing lots of tests first of all.
0: And thank you, Christine. I will have a lovely holiday. Thank you. Um, Diet, if you are suffering from... Actually, there's there's a bit of this going around at the moment. A friend of mine's got gastroenteritis. Someone's texting here saying, what would you recommend if you're suffering from gastroenteritis? There's been a bug, a tummy bug around. People have been sick with that. So you know finding it difficult to keep food down but never you know uh, people are losing weight with this they're not feeling well
1: what would you advise you have got to keep food really easily digestible don't stress the digestive system out there is something like chicken soup which has been used for millennia that for for healing people for many different ailments fish head soup as well you probably might not be able to tolerate that if you've got a stomach bug but lots of ripe easily digestible fruit you'll probably be thankful for a little bit more vitamin c and salt in the diet this time but the amino acids that you're going to get from broth and that, are going to be particularly good, useful for you. Some people so find this isn't
0: like getting a tin of chicken soup. This is about no, boiling. boiling,
1: boiling some bones up. Yeah. And I actually found a shop this week where they actually have frozen stock in the freezer that you can go and get. Where's that? Organic Cafe. They have okay. some there. So that's yes, r- I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I actually posted that on my Instagram account for all those lazy people who can't be bothered to boil bones up. <laughs> I tend to boil two or three bones a week and try and sneak it into my son's diet and my wife's without without them looking. Too what much. I've started
0: doing, uh, thanks to one of our producers here, Joe, is. Um, who went and bought me a um, a slow cooker? I paid her back, but it was she inspired me. So I've been just putting a whole chicken in the slow cooker okay. yep. through the day. Get home, it's all just fall- the, the the meat's falling off the bone. You, you know, obviously got the veggies in there and using the stock and using the meat and yeah, really really nutritious and good.
1: Yeah, and the stock is great. I mean, I have a cup of stock before I go to bed. Um, it it, it actually has quite an effect on the nervous system with some of the kind of anti-inflammatory amino acids. I mean you can actually buy gelatin in powder form, like good quality gelatin, not the kind of white stuff that you make real jellies with i mean that's the same stuff but it tends to have a bit more fillers but it's it's really good for getting for a decent amount of protein and without the kind of uh, effects that you might get from having a big piece of meat or something Mm. like that so just keep it easy make sure you can digest it make sure that you enjoy eating it that's probably a good good thing as well and uh, just don't overburden the digestive system too much some sorry yeah sorry sometimes probiotics i I think probiotics are a double-edged sword yeah i've seen clients come in who've been consuming too much of them too much good bacteria can also be a problem. And upset p- your tummy. Yeah, absolutely, and can contribute to something called endo- endotoxin, which can- tends to damage the gut. In uh, the Cochrane report, which a peer-reviewed d- journal for, uh, for doctors, has suggested that some probiotics have been useful for decreasing the amount of time perhaps one to two days of stomach bugs so you might want to think about that from a competitive aspect introducing some bacteria to stop some of the more kind of problematic pathogenic disease causing bacteria like gastritis bugs for example but you know again just play that by ear
0: well it links in with the text that just came in about you know inflammation of the stomach Similar, right? Um, Some nice pure stock might help you with that. So if you're feeling inflammation.
1: Yep, I would say go for that. Remove, Don't eat foods like nuts, which are notoriously hard to digest. Nuts and seeds are not designed to be digested. Uh, They're nature's way of passing on their seeds so that they can grow. And that's why you tend to see them come out a lot. When, when, you, when you've been to the toilet. They're there to be passed on, so you don't digest them very well. We tend to think of nutrients like we eat nuts and seeds because of high vitamin E content, because we're going to this reductionist approach of a single nutrient, but most of the time that vitamin E is there to protect protect the seeds and stop them going rancid so that they're able to grow and and and, and um, um, repopulate the seeds and the plants that they've come from so re- remove anything that's going to be problematic let some people actually prefer to eat a little bit of bread sometimes in this time uh, just because it, it's a bit filling and I, I don't know the actual mechanics behind it but lots of people have gone for a bit of toast or something i don't know why that is i don't know if it's productive but find something if you feel that you want to eat something you've got a desire for it and it's not going to cause you to have any more problems go for it
0: so talking to Keith Littlewood this morning here on Ion Health he's a rehabilitation and performance coach at Scandinavian Health Performance at Jamera Lake Towers and uh, yeah he's really specialises in managing pain if you've got a recurring issue with pain or an injury uh, if you have bad posture he's been talking a lot about breathing pattern dysfunction and helping you with that to breathe better and how that can help combat pain and posture as well he also can help you with digestion digestive issues and fatigue energy depletion so many of you are texting in this morning one here from naveen saying i'm not able to improve my running endurance i feel weak on my legs breathing isn't an issue what could it be
1: well sometimes we have a disconnect about the muscles that we want to actually work during um, particularly running or any any Uh, physical activity the problem is with runners and something i I tend to see a lot is the calves tend to overwork substantially when there's a lack of hip flexion hip extension and also to do with knee flexion extension as well so given that the calves in their position believe it or not they can actually decrease the amount of muscle activation of these these particular muscles so you might want to get someone who who understands how to assess which muscles are working correctly and which muscles maybe are underperforming now in particular short tight calves uh, uh, something that, that I see a lot and uh, it, it's, it's usually about tweaking the nervous system so we assess um, a, particular, uh, a particular movement pattern understand which muscles are involved and then we kind of pair them off against muscles that might be dysfunctional and usually you can actually reset the nervous system by resetting, tapping into the fibres, see what's going on there, and giving the, the the brain a chance to understand why they're not working correctly. Usually, with a little bit of corrective work, um, you going away, maybe releasing something and activating another thing, and sometimes in some cases, not needing to do any any homework at all. But it's always good to try and hardwire something. So, I would say this is a mechanical issue, and maybe some muscles that are overworking are causing you to experience fatigue. And if you re-optimize how, how the muscles are sequenced together, you'll probably find that your, your legs are feeling a little bit stronger. So that's something I, I see a lot of with with sports people in particular. And, and and your regular run-of-the-mill Joe as well.
0: And you've been through an interesting experience yourself recently, haven't you? In that you've had a, a kinesiology test. Uh, yeah, and do you love your coffee? You came in this morning with your coffee. We yeah. often talk about coffee and how it can help some people uh, metabolically. What was your experience? Well,
1: I'm very pro-caffeine anyway. A lot of the research shows that it's great for... uh anti-cancer, anti-Alzheimer properties and we know that caffeine is a, is a pro-stimulant for metabolism hence I use it with clients who have suffered from poor energy with the right type of foods as well to stimulate an increase but I've been studying with an orthopaedic surgeon with a technique called proprioceptive deep tendon reflex which helps to restore um, optimal body movement and in some cases decrease pain it's, it's been a very interesting journey so far with that now the, the surgeon also uses applied kinesiology he's very interested in doing less hardware work I operating on people, and restoring the software, how the nervous system responds to, to move appropriately. Um, and he did a test on me, and I, I never really bought it. I'm very skeptical of applied kinesiology, even though I use some form of muscle testing myself. But he showed me that when coffee was in my mouth, I couldn't hold a muscle test. We put milk in my mouth, orange juice, sugar. I was strong as an ox. But when you put coffee in my mouth, I just couldn't hold anything. How interesting. And I was really skeptical of it. And to be honest, I was probably drinking between two and five cups a day anyway. Because I'm a big coffee fiend, so I actually cut down, and I had I have one every few days now. Um, at the weekend, I might have a couple more. But he also showed it; me was interfering with my thinking and my ability to multitask. And I have to say, the results for me were particularly um, interesting. Mm. So I, I'm, I've, I think there are a couple of reasons behind that. Um, but I think it, it's for me personally, it's been it's been a great experience to see how how my body's been reacting to that. So I, you know, I, I I'm. I'm fair enough to say that yep, some th- that wasn't working for me particularly well, and um, hopefully there'll be a way for me to get back to drinking more coffee in the future.
0: <laughs> I know, but you've you've taken it on board and you've reduced yeah, your coffee it- intake, and you've sh- and you've seen the difference. Now let's just make this clear: this isn't the case necessarily for everybody. This was specific to you and yeah. your body type. We're not saying that everybody's the same when it comes to drinking coffee
1: no and I I enjoy drinking coffee I I, I thoroughly recommend it to a lot of people um but he said that I needed to cut down and actually cutting down my sleep's gone to where I was waking up a little bit in the night I actually have a solid eight nine hours sleep now provided I get to bed on time of course (laughs) but yeah it was interesting to see and this is where we see the nuances of working with with different people and and what they're reacting to for example so yeah and how how that I'm open-minded enough to know that to, to, to say that yes, that has worked really, really well for me.
0: Yeah, and this is what, again, it's what we're getting at and what we do on this show is, you know, it's just offering lots of different possibilities for you to know more about, to discover more about when it comes to your body and your particular individual needs when it comes to your health and wellness. Do you like your skinny jeans? Do you like wearing skinny jeans? Well, interesting looking here. The agenda touched on this earlier. We also picked up the story. Painfully skinny jeans lands a woman in the hospital. Uh, The downside possibly to wearing super skinny jeans is this. A 35-year-old Australian woman wound up in the hospital after wearing skinny jeans while helping a family member move house. Uh, The move involved many hours of squatting while emptying cupboards. And this is a report coming out of Neurology, Neurosurgery and Psychiatry published on Monday. Day. So as the day went on, she's helping with the move. Her jeans were making her increasingly uncomfortable. But it wasn't until the evening that the situation went south. As she walked home, the woman found herself struggling to lift her increasingly numb feet. She fell to the ground and lay there for several hours before she was found and taken to the Royal Adelaide Hospital. There, the, legs, the woman's legs were swol- so swollen that stuff had to cut off her jeans this is a bit of a warning here i think but interesting isn't it what could possibly happen in the fact that she was bending squatting very tight jeans she was cutting off blood supply
1: yeah i'm so glad i've never been able to fit into skinny jeans (laughs) um there's a couple of aspects to this obviously we've got the the pretty obvious um factor that there's probably a lack of blood supply lack of blood supply means a lack of nutrients including oxygen removal of carbon dioxide lactate and all of these other metabolites from from the muscles and, and the cells. Uh, also there's another thing as well is deep pressure, when we apply deep pressure to any muscles it affects fibres called Pacini receptors, so these Pacini receptors which provide feedback from, a, from the actual um, the muscle itself back to the central nervous system, the brain, the nerves and that, can be affected as well, so we might have a lack of control of how to control our muscles, so it, the obvious one is obviously having, having a lack of blood supply, so I think like anything, don't wear anything too tight.
0: Yeah, and uh, just goes to show, actually they did a ct scan of her legs and it showed signs of muscle damage in the calves so that's not necessarily to do with her wearing skinny jeans but combined with that issue well um, it,
1: it depends what the damage is I, I, I don't think they elaborate on what the damage is i mean if we have hypoxia for example we can get uh, tissue death um, and, and necrosis of certain tissue so that that's quite possible but again like i said you can certainly get damage to the receptors and the receptors provide feedback to and from the the joint the muscle the ligaments and so w- how will they actually function but i, I unless I, I don't know what the exact damage is it's really hard to say mm.
0: someone's in to say who wears super skinny jeans to help someone move really and <laughs> like <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah i think it's more of a more of a torture isn't it we're going to put we're, right, you're, it's like being on a like a a, a a show, yeah, but that's tasks, that's right? for the
0: people that aren't really skinny enough to be wearing skinny jeans. Yeah. But I think the idea is that if you are skinny enough to wear skinny jeans, then yeah. it shouldn't be a problem. I yeah. don't know, I don't know. Maybe you need to get the stretchy ones if you're going to yeah, be helping yeah. people move. Uh, thanks for that. Keep your messages coming in. And actually, on that note, it's a bit of a sensitive area, but it's important. Again, it's something I noticed a couple of weeks ago in the news um, wires when it comes to health and well being. It's something you're very aware of, Keith, and have talked about before, but when you're looking at posture when you're just saying there about somebody who's bending down squatting all of that kind of things and it's a story came out a couple of weeks ago about how unhealthy it could be in our positioning when we have to go to the lavatory
1: yes i mean it's it doesn't make um too much argument when we say the position we were designed to poop in is actually quite beneficial for us it puts our, our colon in a much better position for going to the toilet and actually the increase in intra-abdominal pressure is quite productive when you sit on the toilet for example you have a decrease in the intra-abdominal pressure mechanism you have to literally hold your breath so here we have some breathing pattern dysfunction creeping into the way that we poop perhaps so i mean like we were talking about earlier on culturally a lot of the kind of african middle eastern places the toilets are actually designed were still designed in the way that we were designed to poop i think you can get bits of kit like the squatty potty or something like that where you elevate yourself and
0: children you know that's what they're doing when they're starting to get potty trained yes
1: yeah and it, it it makes sense to be to have good squatting mechanics and good digestion comes from being able to to squat well the squat pattern actually helps to massage the internal organs as does a good breathing pattern as well. When you're stuck in that inverted breathing pattern, for example, we don't get to have a natural uh, natural massage of the digestive organs and increase peristalsis and the the movement of food through the digestive organs and digestive tract. So, yeah, squatting is just uh, being able to to squat well does have a certain impact on on how well you poop, but you still need to be in a good squatting action to get a, a much better action, as it were.
0: So, oil, almond oil. Almond milk. Let's take the almond nut and the health benefits, Keith.
1: Um well I uh, specifically, because I work in energy and digestion, I tend to get people to remove nuts during this time. I don't think eating nuts on a on a regular basis is too much of a problem. I think, like I said, if you're alluding to nuts because they have high levels of vitamin E in there, that's because they, it prevents them from going rancid. So, they're doing a job for the nut itself. I, I like I said, I I think. When you're trying to remove a lot of things like dairy, I, I don't think dairy is too much of a problem. I think a stressed digestive system is part of that and maybe why you don't tolerate dairy as well as you could do. But a lot of people tend to replace dairy with things like almond oil and soils, which tend to have their own problems and um i wouldn't go replacing with lots and lots of nut oils because they're higher in unsaturated fatty acids that can cause um issues when you're consuming a lot and uh, do actually irritate the bowel to a degree um there's
0: a lot more milk out there isn't there when you go to the supermarket there's yeah. so much choice now of the range of different kinds and types of milk that you can buy
1: yeah i mean in our house for example we have we rotate through goat milk camel milk uh, we always try and get a really good quality organic um cow milk um in fact going back to the uk um shortly we've just got an order in for this unpasteurized dairy farm yes. grass-fed hook, hook and sons oh. really good stuff okay. and we're going to be uh, chowing down on that over the break um and so yeah there is there is a a, a lot more uh, spectrum of different types of stuff out there and i, I you know some people will act differently with certain different types of milk but I generally tend to find that those with more digestive dysfunction tend to have a harder time but that's not necessarily a reason why we should remove it completely and dairy remains very potent and when we were talking about vitamin D sometimes people actually flag up with vitamin D deficiency because they have a lower calcium intake so that's really important to consider also.
0: Uh, th- somebody's texting regarding their little boy, an eight-year-old little boy with a slight rectal prolapse. Um, diet? Do you need to consider things there?
1: I I honestly don't know. It's not my area of expertise, and I would certainly suggest seeing a uh, the, the specialist on on this. Um, it may be if there's an irritation in the bowel that might contribute to it, but to be honest, it's not something I know much about.
0: Mm, okay. And uh, question on your website: If you stretch a muscle, do you make it stronger, weaker, or does it just stay? same well surely the idea is if you're stretching a muscle it's going to make it stronger right
1: it depends on if it has a primary secondary or tertiary dysfunction so if you have a muscle that's super tight and you stretch it potentially it's actually going to get stronger because you you fire up the tendon, uh, the Golgi tendons, which are in the in the both in the ligaments and in the uh, tendons themselves. Now, if you have a muscle that's, say, a tertiary weakness, it's it's basically collateral damage of other m- muscles. Then, when you stretch it, it will get stronger. So, for example, so we always think that if we stretch something, it's going to get weaker but if you have a lack of stability you'll usually have an increase a decrease in mobility as well because we tend to stabilize our joints by making certain muscles around that joint a lot stronger so if we're trying to stretch something but the brain's saying hang on you're not very strong or stable in this area, so I'm going to tighten you up a little bit. So if you then go and stretch that muscle, it's going to rebound back by making it stronger. So we have to be careful. And if we're looking at from a rehabilitation perspective, then muscles just don't react in the same way all the time. And it depends on the the actual muscle and what's going on at that particular joint and what feedback's going in and out of that joint or in and out of that receptor in the actual muscle itself. So the answer is it depends.
0: Mm. And coming back to our messages here, halitosis how to help with that
1: well we know that bacterial issues can tend to start in 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 the digestive tract for example and the digestive tract does start in the mouth so potentially there could be bacterial issues suppressed immune system which might be driving that usually when we see kind of an elevation of bacteria and it's not being kept in check because the immune system isn't firing up as well as we could be we could help to just um remove some foods that maybe aren't being digested well in the bowel we can use things like the carrot salad we can certainly potentially think about probiotics in some people to help compete with other bacteria but i would say it's, it's probably something going on in the bowel or in the throat for example that might need clearing up
0: and uh, you're keeping busy here in the city not only are you helping people in where you're positioned at uh, scandinavian health uh, but you're also going out and you're working with companies as well so you're going to be working doing a bit of a session with tom and serge's staff the cafe
1: yeah i've i've, I've done a few presentations with, like standard charter bank before and uh Tom and Serge I think I'm going off to do some staff training with them do do some presentations and I, I kind of do that as more of a it's a fun thing gets me out of the office um but been, what, are, what are
0: you doing though your staff training on what
1: well I think it's talking about I I've actually titled the the talk moving grooving pooping and sleeping yeah so it's kind of a lot of things that we're talking about snoozing. snoozing as well would, sorry yeah that moving, would rhyme groove, pooping and snoozing <laughs> there you go uh, that that's what it is yeah but um it's just kind of getting information out there we tend to be so caught up in this paradigm that everyone has to be doing stuff in a certain way and there are many options available to people and we don't have to beat ourselves up in the gym if you want to do that you go and do that that's fine we there's a lot of weight optimal ways of moving a lot better there are uh, a lot of foods that can create robustness and make you um, stronger and have more energy and have better sleep and it's about um, strategies to analyse what's going on and how it works for you, and simple things that people can be aware of. So, yeah, I I, I tend to put a lot of this information out anyway because um, sometimes people get stuck in actually deciphering what's going on with themselves. so exactly. I, I try and put as much out there as I can for people.
0: And something as simple as yawning. So one of our listeners has said, uh, "Thanks for the great topic today. I yawn a lot when I start working out in the evening, and I also have problems. Uh, I've always been doing this in." Uh, uh, yawning it's just started lately um so exercising in the evening and then yawning a lot is there a deficiency
1: well it might be an uh, you know it might be to do with carbon dioxide and then trying to get more oxygen in so if you're hyperventilating and then you're you're not you're getting enough oxygen in but the carbon dioxide isn't letting the oxygen dissociate from hemoglobin which actually carries uh, the oxygen so Uh, decreased carbon dioxide equals decreased oxygen uptake so that might have something to do with it as well sometimes there have been some deficiencies associated with sometimes low with sodium and magnesium but i would probably start to look at breathing pattern dysfunction first of all before any of these
0: and uh, somebody else here saying um, that my daughter's uh, one just over one years old and she's constipated we've switched her milk to dairy milk and the situation's got worse
1: Um, obviously if you're working with a medical practitioner seek their advice for sure on this but sometimes it just can be that there they, it it can be a number of issues with this try switching the milk around you could try camel or goat for example if you're using goat you might want to make sure they're getting more b vitamins because there's a lack of b vitamins in goat but change around the dairy with itself but if she's 1.6 she's probably consuming solids Um, sometimes when children are consuming a lot of cereals this can actually aggravate the bowel, and you might find trying to get her more on perhaps like yogurt and um, and some fruits might be beneficial. But this is a sort of case where you should look at look at stuff and be quite diligent about what's going on when it seems to things seem to get better or worse. Because sometimes it's just being observant about what what's actually going on here. But I've seen constipation clear up quite significantly in, in lots of different clients, including. Two-year-olds I've seen uh, with clients that I've worked with before with constipation, but it, it, it you need to be really um, subjective and see what's going on, food diaries, and see what how how they respond to certain foods in particular
0: well Dawn says I could listen to Keith all day fantastic so that's a nice compliment for you to round that's off that's nice to
1: know that somebody wants to listen to me and <laughs> know I can ramble a bit sometimes but yeah that's good thank it's, you Dawn
0: uh, it's always a pleasure having you here on Ion Health Keith thank you very much and enjoy your travels and uh, make the most of it before baby number two comes along in just a few months time
1: yeah it's <laughs> going to be D-Day again my sleep wake cycles will be out the window for a bit
0: <laughs> um, Uh, Do check out Keith's details. We've posted them up on our website, Balanced Body Mind, on Facebook and his website. And uh, he's also got an e-book out as well coming out. It's addressing energy and uh, metabolism issues. So, uh, yeah, connect with Keith via our website directly, of course.